Praise God. Praise God. For the beautiful spirit of the Lord in this place today. We're going to be reading from the book of John. We're going to be reading from chapter 4, verses 31 through 38. I feel or believe the Lord just wants to speak to us today to continue in the vein of what uh, the theme of this service is, and that is reaching a world that is lost. God calls us out of darkness not to just celebrate our liberation, but that we might become a part of the kingdom and go to work reaching for others. You know, we can think back where we were when God found us. And we can see others and know others who are there right now. And know that God, Christ, died for them just like he died for us. And loves them just like he loves us. And if he's going to speak to them, it's going to be through me and you. That's his word. That's his word. He doesn't use angels. He doesn't speak from the sky. It's his word that reaches men. And the Bible says we are written epistles walking upon this earth. We are the witnesses to humanity that Christ loves us, died for us, resurrected for us, and can save and deliver us. Can you say amen? Man, so I want to spend a few minutes today just maybe challenging us just a little bit to keep it in the forefront of our thinking and our minds of who and what we are and who and, and what we've been called to do. Book of John chapter 4 beginning with, we'll read verse 4 and then we'll drop down to verse number 31. The word of the Lord says in John 4 and 4, and he, speaking of Jesus, must needs go through Samaria. Something drove him to go through Samaria. We may get into the background of the importance of that verse later in this message. But just to say to you and I, there was a better path. There was a better path. There was a safer path than this road that led him through Samaria. But what pulled him into Samaria wasn't down the better path. What drove him into Samaria, he would not have found on the king's road. He had to get off the road of pleasure and the road of luxury and the path of the elite. And he had to walk down the path of the outcast and those that had been forgotten because he was looking for someone. Verse 31, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. Verse 32, and he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, 
Then somebody bring him a lunch. And Jesus said to them, the meat I eat, the meat that I eat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Then he says to the disciples what he says to you and I. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Pastor preached on this a few weeks ago. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Get them off yourself. Get them off your problems. Get them off your situation. Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields, for they are white and already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap whereupon you bestowed no labor. You're not going to die on the cross. Your blood's not going to be shed. You didn't pay the path for the souls of humanity. But I send you into my labor, Jesus said. Other men, prophets, and, and those prophesied over this great event. Other men labored, and ye have entered into their labor. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to open our hearts and our minds today. Father, in the wonderful name of Jesus, we come to you in the power of the Holy Ghost. I pray that you touch my mind this morning. I pray that you minister to all of us that are here today. Let us receive the word of God. Let us leave from this place mighty warriors of the Spirit. Let us leave here, God, with the sword of the Spirit drawn, going out to reach those, O oh God, that you shed your blood for. Help us to be that man and woman of the kingdom that is willing to get off the king's highway and go through the lower road into Samaria and reach a world that is lost and dying. I pray and I ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody say amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Stay with me today. It's 12.09. I'm going to try not to hold as long, but I've got something to say to us today. Pastor doesn't just want to preach to us today. I want to deliver a word from God. The Lord wants to speak to us this morning. The word of the Lord says that the disciples had obeyed God. They went into town. They got lunch. They made their way back. We'll deal with that a little later uh, in the teaching here this morning. They make their way back. They offer, Lord, here we are. We, we got lunch. You sent us out to get it, and here we are. And the Lord looks at them and he says, I have meat to eat that you don't know of. My meat to eat is to do the, uh, to do the will uh, of the Father. Verse 31 said, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. 
But it appears that the Lord had a different agenda than what his disciples had. And, and uh, I don't want to be too harsh on you and I, but I just want to be honest with myself. And I, I want to be honest with you that, or if we can be honest with ourselves, maybe I should say it that way. Way too often our agenda isn't God's agenda. Too often we find ourselves in a situation where uh, what God truly intended at the moment is not what you and I are trying to accomplish. And so it is important that we remain sensitive to what the Lord is speaking unto us. You see, until we understand, now listen to this, until we understand the true purpose of the coming of Jesus Christ, we will never be able to fulfill His purpose in our lives. We'll be busy working on things that we think is His purpose, we think is His will. This is what God wants to do. And this is what God wants to accomplish in our life and have us do upon this earth. And it may be a part of His divine purpose, but His true purpose can never be fulfilled in my life and can never be fulfilled in your life until you truly understand why He came to this earth. When we understand why he came to this earth and what the church is really all about. You see, the church is not just about taking care of my needs and taking care of your needs. It's, it's not just about fixing your marriage, about getting your children off of drugs, about blessing your finances and all of these things. Listen, all of these things are certainly the byproduct of the presence of Jesus Christ. But his true purpose when he called us out, when we look at his life, Jesus walked upon this earth. And what do we hear about him all the time? Oh, he heals, he casts out demons, he feeds the multitudes, he raises the dead. But I'm here to tell you the purpose of Jesus Christ coming to this earth was not to heal. It was not to cast out devils. It was not to feed the multitudes. It was not to raise the dead or cleanse the leopards. These things are the byproducts of the present. Now let me stop and say this right now. That's why when you and I come to the house of God, we need to make sure He is our focus uh, and that we worship Him and we praise Him and we put ourselves Lord Jesus Christ first in our life because we must have his presence in our service. We must have the power of God in every service. We cannot come to the house of God and just have church, just have a social gathering. We need the glory of God. We need the power of God. Because when God comes into our services, blinded eyes are open, lame will walk, deaf ears will be open, people will be delivered, devils will be cast out, souls will be transformed. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. We got to have the presence of the Lord in service. We must have him it's the byproduct of his presence when he comes these things happen yet these things are 
tend to look at more than not. Just follow me for a moment. I'm going to try to help us. Who are, when we, when we give honor to someone, who do we remember most? What names do we call? Who do we talk about when we say, oh my, my, what a great preacher. Oh my, I want to go hear him. I want to be there with him. Who are these men that we usually gravitate to? I'll tell you who they are. They are men that are used mightily in the gifts of the Spirit. They are wonderful in their preaching abilities. That the dead are raised, the blind eyes are open. We gravitate to that. But I want to tell you, the ones that ought to get the greatest rewards are the ones that you never see. But they're in their home at a dining table. They got their Bible open. They got a family on the other side. Come on, somebody. That family's life been torn apart by alcohol or by drugs or domestic abuse. And there you are. Nobody knows your name. Nobody will ever praise you. Nobody will ever gather to see you. But God sees you. Because the biggest crown is going to go onto the heads of those that know how to reach the loss. Those that know how to touch humanity. Those that know how to save those that are lost. I can tell you right now, and you're going to think I'm belittling or putting down or putting aside the gifts of the Spirit. You know pastor believes in the gifts of the Spirit. You know we preach it, we teach it, and we know it needs, they need to operate uh, in our midst. But they are the byproducts of the presence of Christ. They are not his true purpose. They're not the reason. He didn't die so you could receive the gift of tongues. He didn't die on Calvary so you could receive the gift of healing. That's not why he shed his blood. That just happens because he shows up. And when God shows up, wonderful things happen. Powerful things happen. Glorious things happen. That's not why he died on the cross. The Bible says men will stand before him and say, God, we cast out devils in your name. We heal the sick in your name. And he's going to look at them and say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I'm telling you, we need to be careful what we glorify. We need to be careful what we exalt. God's purpose in this world is to reach a world that is lost and dying and bring them out of their sins and deliver them from their bondage. Put your hands together. Come on. Put your hands together for the Lord. When you study the life of Jesus Christ, every single time he went out of his way, every time he detoured, every time he was going to do something, and but somebody came along and it moved his path, it was always about a soul. God's purpose in coming to this world in the flesh was to reach the lost. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 19 and 10 that I am here to seek and to save that which was lost. I think when we get back to our father's business, he's going to show up. When we get back to doing what he called us to do, he will show up. 
And when he shows up, the glorious will happen. The power will fall. The power, the power, the power will fall when we get back to doing the promise, to doing the fulfillment, to doing what he came for. You know, when we make our way back to the original sin and we look at Adam and Eve, just stay with me for a little bit. Let pastor talk to your heart today. When we go back to the very original sin, God's promise was for all of the seed of Adam and Eve. It wasn't just about the Abrahamic seed. It was about when God made the promise to Eve and he said, "They will. it will bruise your heel, but you will bruise his head. That was about the salvation of man. He was prophesying to Eve, from your womb will come a child. He will be bruised. He will die on a cross, but through the power of that bruise, he will crush the power of the enemy. Isaiah 49 and 5 says, And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him through Israel. Be not gathered yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and thy God shall be my strength. And he said, It is a light thing. I want you to think about that. God says through Isaiah, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant speaking of Jesus Christ to raise up the tribes of Jacob to restore and preserve Israel I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the world I'm going to tell you how powerful reaching the loss is to God he compared the pain of Calvary as a light thing as a small thing to endure for one soul to be saved that's why the Bible tells us he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him you know what that joy was sir it was you coming off of drugs it was you coming into the church you know what that joy was ma'am it was you being delivered out of a lifestyle of immorality it was men and women coming praying through the power of God being baptized in his name have their sins washed away that was the joy that allowed him to endure the cross Somebody say hallelujah. Isaiah 52 and 10 says the Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of the nations and all of the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Let's look at just a few that pull Jesus out of his way. I know that we're familiar with these stories. Pastor preaches them often. But somehow I, I'm just trusting that you and I are going to leave here today with an understanding. If I would start reaching the loss, I probably wouldn't have to worry about my finances so much. If I would get busy doing the work of the king, if I attend to his business, 
he will attend to my business. When he sent his disciples out two by two, he said, don't worry about the shoes on your feet. Don't worry about the clothes on your back. Don't worry about the food you're going to eat. Don't worry about anything because I'm going to take care of you. And if they reject you, dust the, dust the dust off your feet and just keep on going. But whatever you do, don't stop. 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 Don't stop telling my gospel. Don't stop preaching my gospel. Don't stop reaching the lost. Don't stop touching the hurting. Don't stop blessing the outcast. My God, have mercy. I am here to tell you, my friend, if we will get focused on reaching the lost, we won't have time to be depressed about our problems. You know why you get depressed? You sit home all day all by yourself. You ain't got a job. You're too lazy to get up and go try to find one. Now, I know pastor's being mean right now, but that's why you pay me, to be mean. To get to you where you really live, where you really at. You sit around all day, you're depressed. You get why don't, all day long, what have you done? You just thought about your problems. You just thought about how much people hate you. You thought about how much life is against you. You thought about how much the devil's just beating you up. What would have happened in the same eight hours if you would have taught four people a Bible study? Two of them pray through to the Holy Ghost. Two of them say, Pastor, they want to be baptized in the name of Jesus. I'll tell you what would happen. You'd be dancing with the rest of the angels that are in heaven. You wouldn't have time to think about your problems or your situation. I tell you what else would happen. The phone would ring or somebody would knock at your door. Or the letter would be in the mailbox because God said, if you go out, I'll take care of your shoes. I'll take care of your clothes. I'll take care of your food. I'll put a roof over your head. If you'll just preach my gospel. If you'll just share the word. We're depressed because we're concerned about ourselves. King of kings and Lord of lords. He left the celestial heaven. He stepped down off a golden throne, if you please. He left the streets of gold from a glorious cylinder, a beautiful place of light and glory. And he came down to an old jury, old bummed out place called earth where humanity dwelled. He didn't live in a castle. He was born in a manger. He didn't drive some nice fancy car of that day. I guess a high bred mule. I don't know what it might have been. But anyhow, he didn't dress in royalty. He wore sandals. One man came up to him and said, hey, I'd like to follow you. He said, no problem, but I want you to know something. Birds have nests, but the Son of Man have no place to lay his head. He was here for one reason. He had one purpose upon his mind. Somebody somebody said, well, yeah, but he knew where he was going to go, where he's done. Where are you going? Yeah, but it'd be easy for Christ to come down here and suffer a little while and, 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 and not, you know, build his own kingdom, but, but build the kingdom of God because he knows he's going to go back up there. He's going to sit on the right hand of God. He's going to have all power and authority. Of course he can do that. I got news for you. That's where we're going. That's where you and I are going. When we get done working on this earth, when we get done laboring for the kingdom, Why can't we think like he thinks, work like he works, live like he lived, preach like he preached? That's all. That's what he asked. He was focused. 
He was walking down the road one day. I'm not going to read all of this. I don't have time for it. He was walking down the road one day, and this guy named Zach, short little fella, tax collector, he was sitting up. He was sitting up in a tree. Jesus stops by. Notice what stops the Lord. I love this about Jesus. He's always concerned about the one. He preached to the crowds, but he ministered to the one. You can't minister to a crowd. Yeah, I'm not even really ministering. Y'all, half y'all got McDonald's on your mind. <clears throat> God bless you that you would eat McDonald's. The other half of you got a football game on your mind. Well, maybe not. A few of you. Jeremy, maybe. We think about our problems and our situations, our things in life. You can't minister to crowds. You got to preach to them. And you got to hope that their emotions will get stirred and somehow they'll connect. You can only minister one-on-one. And you get them off by themselves and you sit down with them. And they're able to pour their heart out to you. And you just sit there and you just listen. Listen, quit trying to give answers. You don't have the answer. They're not even, most of them aren't even looking for answers. They're just looking for somebody that will listen for a little while. They just want to be able to express themselves. Just sit there and listen and let them pour their burdens out upon you. But pastor, it gets heavy. Yes, it does. But before it's over, God will give you strength and he will lighten your load. When you see that person get delivered because you minister to them Jesus Christ. You minister to them the power of God. You minister to them the deliverance of the Lord. And they give it a shot. They give it a try and you see God touch them and cover them and you see God begin to work in their life I'm working with a family right now I can't even begin to tell you how intertwined in the world they are how intertwined uh, in areas of bondage uh, uh, they are but we're working with this we're working with this family and just over the last couple of weeks we've watched God do miracles we know ha has he brought them out yet no or are they fully restored and established no but they are seeing the hand of God work in their life that Satan will show up and something disastrous will happen and they'll call pastor this happened I said well you know when it rains it pours and I just laugh with them. I say, look, you might as well laugh a little bit. It beats crying. And we'll just pray together. And I'll tell them, I said, you watch the hand of God. Satan's trying to steal your victory. He's trying to distract you. But you watch the hand of God. I'm telling you, it's just a few moments later. God steps in and does a miracle. He's lifting them up. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. You are not the Savior. But you are a tool. You're more than that. You are a weapon that God can use against the adversary and reach into the life of an individual and begin to watch God turn them around. That's where your strength's going to come. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that our strength is what the joy of the Lord. The only thing the Bible tells us makes God happy is when a sinner repents. You want to know what brings joy to God? It's when the lost repents. Our strength comes from the joy of the Lord. That means when we reach for the lost, God rejoices. You and I get strength. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me today. I wish someone would hear me today. 
He said, Zach, come down. I want to go eat with you. No, God didn't look up at Zach and say, Thou demon of demons, you tax collector, you sinner, you treated, you have cheated people, and begin to preach to him and condemn him. He said, Zach, come down. I want to go have lunch with you, man. Let's go eat together. Zach comes down out of the tree. They get their way over to the house of God. And, and Jesus just being there loving him. Zach comes up and he says, Lord, I've cheated. I've lied. But I want you to know I went and sold half my goods. I'm paying back everybody I cheated fourfold. Watch me. I guarantee you. The people who looked at Jesus when he said, Zacchaeus, come down, I want to go lunch with you. And they ridiculed him and they condemned him and they said, how dare you go eat with a sinner? How dare you associate yourself with those people? Don't you know you're a Christian? Don't you know God cleans you up? How dare you associate yourself with that man? I bet when he went outside and started passing out the money that he had cheated everybody from and gave them four times what he took from them, I bet they weren't complaining then. He said, Zach, I want to eat with you. Will you quit trying to pray them through the day you meet them? Will you, will, you, will you quit trying to fix all their sins and their problems? Why don't you just befriend them? Just be a friend to them. Just love them. And when the time comes, you can talk about God. And as they watch your life, one day they're going to say, Hey, can I go to church with you? Sure, come on. Let's go to the house of God. But it starts by loving them. It starts by befriending them. That's where our focus needs to be. You and I, we know it, we know it. You know, pastors preaching the truth. We surround ourselves by the saved. We surround ourselves with our best friends. We surround ourselves with people who agree with us. They like what we like. They do what we do. Why? Because we like to be comfortable. Who likes to be uncomfortable? Who wants to sit around with someone that you've got nothing in common with except for the fact that you're saved and they're lost? Nobody likes that, but that's what God has called us to do. And I am preaching to us, the preacher. I'm preaching to the ministry. I'm preaching to the pastor. I'm preaching to the wonderful saints of this church uh, that you and I need to begin to change our thinking. We need to change how we think. You know what the Lord said his kind of fast was? He said, I'll tell you what a fast is. Not only do you not eat, but to go out in the street and the food that you would not, that you are not going to eat, you cook it anyway and you bring in the stranger and you bring in the outcast and you go find the leper and you go find the woman with the issue of blood and you go find the lame and you go find the blind and you cook the meal that you would have ate and you feed them God says, that's my kind of fast. That's what I call fasting. What is he really saying? Every activity we do, everything that we organize, everything that surrounds us, somewhere's in there, better be the variable of the loss. Everything we do, we ought to stop and think and ask ourselves the question, what can I do to involve the loss? I'm going to have a big meal. We got together not too long ago. We had people come over. And uh, it was a little while back. And, and uh, I knew my neighbor uh, was uh, my football team was playing his football team. 
And uh, I said, you know what? I bet he'd enjoy this. I called him up. I don't even watch that stuff anymore. I called him up and I said, hey, bro, so-and-so is playing so-and-so. Why don't you come on over? Let's watch the game together. Oh, let's do that. The whole family came over. All we did was just spend a little time together. Since then, we've been communicating. We've been friends. It's where it starts. I'm telling you, God will open a door. The time will come. The right moment will be there. My wife recently went across the street. It's our neighbor. Went across the street, gave... Uh, uh, his wife a uh, into his marvelous light uh, Bible study and said, "I just wanted to bring this to you." They're Christians. He said, "She said I wanted to bring this to you. I, I just want you to read this. That's how it works. Uh, we need to start rearranging our activities. Uh, I hope I'm not boring you. I hope you're hearing what God's trying to say. We need to stop entertaining ourselves. We need to stop entertaining ourselves. We need to stop wrapping everything around us. Everything pertains to us. Everything." Everything's about our pleasure. Everything's about our good. Everything's about what can help me. And everything, all that's fine. Don't misunderstand, Pastor. Pastor, God, God don't care if you drive a Rolls Royce as long as you fill it up with the lame, maimed, blind, and halt. He don't care what you come to church in. He don't care if you spend $100,000 on a car if you gave $400,000 to missions. You know what I'm saying? We got this thing all flip-flop. And this is what we got to fix. We got to fix this in our thinking. We got to fix this in our heart. We got to change who we are and get back to the business of Jesus Christ and what he came to this world for. And that is to reach the lost. And I am here to tell you this right now. I prophesy to you right now. If this church gets about the business of the Father, he will get us a building Everybody in this building will become wealthy because God will trust you to give the monies to the kingdom, to build churches around the world, to build churches in this country, to help home missionaries, to bless families in the church that are poor and doing with like God. Somebody help the preacher. I love, I love what happened in that story. See, Zach, Zacchaeus came to the Lord and he said, God, I've sold, I have sold half of my goods and I have given to the ones uh, that I have cheated. And the Lord looked at Zacchaeus and he said, this day has salvation come to this house. Now we always look at that as focusing on the fact that because Zacchaeus was willing to sacrifice, he received salvation. That is not true. Him sacrificing was the byproduct of being exposed to the gospel. The reason he was saved was because Jesus was in his house. Woo! That's the focus of that story. Because the Lord took the time to say, Zach, come down. I'm going to have lunch with you today. The end result of God making a friend with a sinner and an outcast was his family being saved. That is what God is trying to show you and I. Just make friends with them. Just love them. Help them. 
buy groceries, fill their car up with gas. If you go look at their tire, you go over and you see your neighbor's tires are bald. My God, knock on the door and say the Lord Jesus told me to come get you and to bring your car to Pet Boys. And I'm not paid by pet boys. That's just where I get my cars worked on. When Jeremy's not available. When Jeremy's available, I get him to do it. He's better in pet boys than he's half the price. <laughs> Sorry about that, Jeremy. I really am. He's no longer in the mechanical business. He's a train engineer. A choo-choo engineer. Or mechanical, whatever he does for the trains. He don't fix cars. Don't call him. He's my personal mechanic. Leave him alone. I don't want to call him up needing something and find out he's at your house. Because I know you. You won't even pay him right. Oh, don't get me off on that. We think just because a brother's a brother and a sister's a sister, we ought to pay them half price for everything that they do. The Bible says that they're worthy of their hire. They're worthy of their hire. You don't tell them what the break is. If they want to give you a break, they'll tell you what it is. I'm meddling now, ain't I? All right, let me get back to God. I can tell I lost you. What time I start preaching? Was it noon? 12. It's 12.05. Somewhere. You know what my prayer is? My prayer is that you and I can never walk past another person without something touching our hearts. Without something pulling at the strings of our spirit. It doesn't mean that you're going to talk to everybody that walks by, but it does mean you're sensitive so that when the right one comes along, you're ready. You're able to respond and do the work, the work of God. The Lord said to that woman that I read to us in our text, I'm going to try to close a little bit. I'm, I barely touched my notes. Aaron, Aaron said, how long's your sermon today, Pastor? Just before service, they're always worried about that. Aaron's a big boy, though. He understands he can't go eat till I'm done. <laughs> so it does concern him. And so he said, how, how long's your sermon? I said, well, I don't know how long it's going to be, but I got 18 pages. He went, what? I said, yeah, I got 18 pages. But don't worry about it. I'll never get off page one. And that's exactly where I'm at right now. Let's hope I don't get to page two because that's where the hard stuff is. The Lord said, I must. It needs be that I go through Samaria. I don't even feel like I have an option. It, this purpose literally consumes me. I don't even have a choice. 
when we begin to examine this and look at this, how far away from Jesus are we? We, we can't even muster up the urgency, and I'm talking to those on the camera right now, of course. We can't even ur- muster up the urgency to get to church. Much less the urgency about reaching the lost. The disciples, are you ready for this? The disciples, have walked with the Lord. Music, you can come. Let everybody think I'm actually closing. The disciples, watch this, walked with the Lord for three and a half years, Sister Corinne. Probably about three years at this point. And they came out of Samaria with lunch. Go back and read the whole story. Jesus said, go get lunch. I'm hungry. Go get lunch. Now, you know something's up when Jesus sends 12 grown men to get lunch. If Mary would have been there, he'd have just sent Mary because she could have handled it. But you send a man... Man, you got to send 12 of them so they can all remind one another about what you remember this item, you remember this item, you remember this item. No, that's not my point. He didn't want them around. He had a purpose. Now, first of all, that doesn't speak very well of the disciples. And I'm going to prove that. When they came back from Samaria and they were approaching the well, where Jesus and the harlot was. You know what they said amongst themselves? The Bible says, they said, why is he speaking to that woman? What is he doing? How can you walk three and a half years with Jesus Christ and not know why he's talking to that woman? How can you be in the presence of a God who's opening blind eyes, raising the dead, preaching the gospel, breaking the bread, feeding multitudes, touching lepers, ministering to men and women, everywhere that he went, everything that he did, talk about his own death, burial, and resurrection, and everything that he was going to do, express his concern for humanity and his love. And you walked with him for three and a half years, and you you're asking yourself the question why he's talking to that sinner. Yet you and I, I've been serving him since 1978. How long is that? 38 years? Is that 38 years? No, 1978, 42 years. I was an electrical engineer. I have a minors in mathematics, but I cannot add, subtract, or divide. I never met an engineer that could. 
or spell, by the way. I got a cup at home that said, I am an engineer, and it's spelled, you know, it's on there five times, and every time it's spelt wrong. I am an engineer. I am a, and it's spelt wrong. Every, my wife bought that for me. Who, Hannah did, my daughter. Where you at, Hannah? Y'all come on out. We got we to gotta make these people think I'm done. Come on out. They're not going to believe you if you're hiding over there in the corner. Come on, Aaron. The quicker you get out, the quicker you eat, son. He said, I must, I must go through Samaria. When that woman looked at him and said, I don't have a husband. The Lord said, I know that. You've had four and the one you're with now is not your husband. Are you a prophet? You're a prophet. My father said in this mountain, we're going to worship. He said, woman worships of the Jews. You don't, you don't even know what you're talking about. You don't have a clue. You don't have a clue. And then she did something. He did something that ripped his heart out of his soul. He said, somebody told me the Messiah is coming. And when the Messiah comes, we're all going to have hope. And all the Sumerians, the half-breeds that are hated by the Gentiles and hated by the Jews, and we're just an outcast. Nobody loves us. My daddy told me when the Messiah comes, he's going to love everybody. You could just feel the heart in Jesus beginning to beat. <laughs> he said, woman, the one that stands before you is he. I am the Messiah. You know what blows my mind about that? Is that when the high priest said, Tell us, art thou the Son of God? He says, Thou sayest. Herod, Pilate, Kings, governors, rulers. Tell me who you are. Tell me who you are. Silent as a lamb. The Bible says he spoke not a word. But standing at the well with a little old sinner woman, he couldn't hold it back. It just reached inside of him and poured it out. He that speaketh with me. I want to tell every one of us that are in this room tonight, that same God that stood at that well speaking to that woman dwells in you. 
I just have a feeling that he's wanting to express himself to the hurting and the outcast and the lost. You know you felt it. You know you have. You know you stood in that crowd and God singled someone out and you begin to feel that pull on your heart. See, what you don't know is that night before, that individual with tears flowing down their face upon their bed cried out to God and said, Oh God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And now he stands before her. And just like he was at the well, he's tugging, pushing at your chest. Please let me minister to them. And I would, Lord, but did you see the list I wrote today when I got up? You know my schedule. You think maybe we could conveniently do this next week? She's not going to be at the well next week. I must need to go by Samaria. I must need to go by Samaria. I'm finished right here. I'm going to end with this, but I want you to see this. He that's speaking to thee, I am he. I am the Messiah. The Bible says she dropped a water pot. That was her livelihood. She dropped a water pot and she ran back into the city. No doubt she ran right past those 12 disciples who were saying, Oh my gosh. Talking to a harlot. Everybody knows who that woman is. Some of the guys in town were talking about her. Not by their wives, of course. But. And she runs by them. Here comes the disciples. They got lunch. The Lord said, go get lunch. And they did exactly what he said to do. And no more. I wonder how many people 12 men ran into. It must have been a sight at the fish market. 12 guys standing around deciding whether they're going to have a salmon or a trout or a grouper or an Israel or Samaritan catfish. I have no idea if they have catfish. And they're so busy, watch me, they're so busy working for God. Can't even sense the pain of a soul, the need of an individual. Do you think Jesus would have been offended if they never showed up with lunch because they were so busy talking about the Messiah? You say, but those were Samaritans. They, they're not supposed. They're not supposed to talk to them again. Three years walking with Jesus. And you can't even talk to someone who's not like you. 
You know the amazing point is? It's before they even got through with their conversation. Before the disciples and Jesus Christ were even done. They brought lunch. He says, I got meat you know not of. I am here to do the will of my Father and to finish His work. Before they were even done with their conversation, that woman, the harlot who had met Jesus for the first time, was coming back and the Bible said she brought the whole town. She brought the whole town. Jesus heard the running of their footsteps. He tells his disciples, don't you say to me the harvest is four months away. I say to you, lift up thine eyes and Behold, already the harvest that is ready. Who were they looking at? A whole town of Samaritans. A whole town of all outcasts. That a little lady that had an experience with God went back into her town and said, Come and see, come and see, come and see, come and see, come and see. see a man who has told me there's so much here you think that would have turned her off I know you've had four and the one you got now maybe you can you can keep standing it'll, it'll help encourage everybody let's stand you think that would have shoved her away but it was said with such love it was said with such a compassion that even having her sins revealed she was still drawn to him prophet they say the Messiah is coming and when he comes he's going to love us all there's enough power in this room to transform Palm Beach County there are enough disciples in this room right now to turn our city upside down. I'm not talking about taking banners and go down the street and scream and yell. I'm talking about each one of us allowing the Lord to use us to minister to just one. Do the math. 250 or whatever reaches 250 that's 500 one month later 500 reach 500 that's a thousand a month later a thousand reaches a thousand that's two thousand a month later two thousand reaches two thousand that's four thousand a 
month later, 4,000 reaches 4,000. That's 8,000. We're only at five months. A month later, 8,000 reaches 8,000. That's 16,000. 16,000 reaches 16. That's 32. 32 reaches 32. That's 64. 64 reaches 64. Uh-oh, I'm getting in trouble. 128. Month number 12. 128,000 reaches 128,000. That's 266. 56. And we did that in one year. The following month, 250,000. Make it easy. Reaches 250,000. That's 500,000. 500,000 next month reaches 500,000. That's a million. The next month, a million reaches a million. That's the entire population of the county of Palm Beach. And we did it in 14 months. And how did we do it? We just reached one. The Lord said, my substance is something that you don't understand. What an accusation. What a, what a statement by Jesus. Condemnation. You have walked with me for three years. You've seen everything I've done. And you still don't know who I am. And you have no clue why I'm here. And we know that because the sons of thunder came up to him. The mother came up to him and said, can one sit on your right and one sit on the left? And the Lord said, hey, they might. If they can endure the cross, then maybe. But that's not my place. I can't give that to them. No clue about why he was here. This is really a, a simple message. We're not all we're not all orators. I understand that. I'm not asking for that. But I promise you, every one of us in this building right now has the ability to teach a Bible study. There's not one of us that don't. God will help us. God will help us. Well, COVID makes altar calls really difficult. And um, but I'm sure the Lord's okay with that until he fixes it. I don't know what he's doing, all this stuff. But I do know it's him doing it. This is why I don't fear it. Who wants to be a soul winner? Let me make it real easy. Put your hands down. Who doesn't? Anybody don't? I don't blame you. Not raising your hand. That'd be pretty bad. So the Lord saw you. He saw you. He saw you raise your hand. 
go. It's not going to be long. God's going to put someone in your life. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to rearrange your schedule. You have to change some things. I tell you, there's families in this church. God bless you. You're so sacrificial. Everything you and your family do, it's about the kingdom of God. I don't want to start naming names, but I thank you for that. I genuinely thank you for that. But there's so many of us. That if we're honest, it's been 10 years when someone has sat at our table who we call the Word of God to. And for some of us, it has never happened. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message about his purpose. And that we, I thought I wore you out. The long pause there. We listen, we need to make our meal, whatever it was that Jesus ate that day. Now we know what it was, right? It was the reaching of the soul, spiritual. We need to make that our meal so that we can be about the Father's business. It's gonna happen. Are you ready? Are you ready? It's gonna happen. And I'm excited. I'm excited because in the next few months, you're not going to be here by yourself. Oh, there's going to be someone sitting near you. And you're going to see them at an altar and their hands are going to be raised or maybe standing right next to you. God's going to fill them with His Spirit. We're going to baptize them. In fact, Chris. Am I right? We're being baptized. Chris, wave your hand. Chris is being baptized today in Jesus' name. Isn't that awesome? Is Sister Luce, where's Luce? Where's Luce? She gone? She was here earlier. She's in the restaurant? Always. Anyway, Luce is her, his sister, and we baptized. She got the Holy Ghost at conference, and we baptized her a while back. Excited. Look what God's doing. I want to say something to you. You bring a soul to your table in your home and you teach the word of God and you will never have to worry about your house notes. When you turn your house into a place where people are being fed the word of God, God's going to make sure he takes care of that place.
you swing by in your car and pick somebody up and bring them to the house of God and you will never have to worry about your car note. Sister Shelly Ann, where are you? Right back there. Fills her car up all the time, brings people to the house of God and so do many, many, many others of you, by the way. But then her car breaks. I let her use mine. Mine broke. I immediately figured out she breaks everything she drives. It looked rough for a little while, but just a few weeks later, God gave her a brand new car. I'm telling you, you put the kingdom of God first in your life, He'll take it. He said, seek you first the kingdom of God, and I'll add all these things. I'll add all of these things Let's worship. Let's sing a song in worship. I feel like a spirit of gladness has come into the place. Because I'm surrounded by souls. I'm surrounded by people that are going to go out and find somebody and say, I want to teach you a Bible study. Listen. Hold on, hold on. Listen. Listen. Don't worry, it's, it's safe. We have Bible studies. If, if you don't know what you're going to teach, my little girl Hannah has written, written Bible studies on every subject. She's taught these uh, in other places and camps and other states, and they're wonderful, powerful Bible studies. We got Bible studies pre-written. Somebody grab, awesome, Chris. Somebody grab Chris, get him ready. Let's get him ready. Thank you. We're going to make it happen. Did you receive the Holy Ghost yet, Chris? Okay, we're going to make sure in the water. We're going to hold you down a little while. We're going to make it happen. Huh. Oh, he got it at Camp Sparta. I'm sorry. That's right. You wore everybody out. You prayed like three hours. Finally, I went up there. I slapped him and said, man, come on. Get this thing. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Listen. We've got Bible studies. You, you don't have to worry about that. We, we'll buy a thousand of them. Five hundred. Two hundred and fifty. We got some. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going down because I'm not sure how much money we got in the account to do that. But we'll buy as many as we can. We'll give those to you. They're easy to teach. I feel something. I feel like something's come alive in this place today. I'm telling you. I feel like something's come alive in this place. I feel like God has truly touched some of you. And we are going to go out and we are going to teach Bible studies. And we're going to see people pray through to the Holy Ghost and get baptized in the name of Jesus. We're going to see the kingdom of God grow. Wonderful things are going to happen. God is going to bless in a mighty way. Let's sing. Let's everybody sing with the word up on the screen. All you ask According to the power that works in you, Hallelujah. that works in you, God is able to do just what He said He would do.
frank with this right now. Most people are scared to gather down in the altar. They don't know whether you got COVID or not. They don't want to get close to one another. But they might trust you if you taught them a Bible study. And they're standing next to you. We don't, they don't have to come down to the altar. They can raise their hands right there in the seat next to you. And then you can begin to pray for them and God will fill them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You already taught them a Bible study, so we'll be able to baptize them in the lovely name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. We, listen, we cannot let the times dictate revival. We are revival. We are revival. What we do, how we act, how we respond. We are revival. And we dictate the times. Do I hear an amen? God bless you. I love you. We're going to pray with our brother. Give me some brethren. We're going to finish this song. Lord bless you. You're dismissed in the name of Jesus. I love you. We're going to baptize Chris. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, I'd like to baptize you today. You never received the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can have that today before you leave here. God loves you.